Well, good morning, Bethel, and I'll add my welcome to Heather's welcome. My name is Ross, and we're so glad you're here. Uh, thanks for joining us online here for um, Bethel Online, and we look forward um, soon to being back together. In fact, I announced um, this week that uh, next week we're presenting um, a proposal to the elders about transitioning back into gathering together on Sunday mornings. And so more information about that coming up this week. But for now, what I want us to do is I want us to look at the end of our Habakkuk study. We've been looking at this minor prophet called Habakkuk. It's a short three-chapter book, the fifth from the back of your Old Testament, Habakkuk. And so while we don't know much about Habakkuk, we can discern much about what Habakkuk's writing and in the time in which he's writing. He's writing from Jerusalem, and he's writing to the southern kingdom of Israel called Judah. And it's a time, it's the last days of Judah, just before Babylon comes in. And Judah, or, or Habakkuk, is complaining to God about all the corruption going on in Judah and at the same time, he wants to know, God, don't you see this? And, and don't you care about what's going on? And God shows up in these first couple of chapters of Habakkuk to say, Habakkuk, I do see what's going on. In fact, I have a plan. If, if I told you what the plan was, you wouldn't even believe me if I told you. And so what God does is he begins to lay out for Habakkuk what it is that he's going to be doing. What we said in the beginning of this study is that true faith, when, when, we, when we find ourselves in a place of, of trusting God, this true faith, it often finds itself baffled and bewildered at God and sometimes finds that the answers that God gives brings more questions. Sometimes it feels like the answers that God will give will bring more problems. And so here in Habakkuk chapter 3, we're going to see that this man of faith is going to discover that in the midst of the, of the darkest days of his life, in fact, that some of the darkest days of Israel's life, he's going to come to a place of praising God, not because the circumstances of his life are going to be removed, but that in the midst of the circumstances, in the midst of the darkness, he's going to be giving praise to God. And the reason that he can give praise to God is because he comes to realize this profound truth. It is a profound truth for those that have faith. And the truth goes like this. Peace is not the subtraction of of problems from life. It is the addition of power to meet those problems. And that power only comes from God. Well, if you'll remember, the outline of the book goes like this. Habakkuk, he's in the presence of God, and he's, and he's journaling uh, this conversation he's having. And, and it begins with a complaint towards God, and then God's going to answer the complaint. And then Habakkuk's going to complain again, and then God's going to answer again. And then this week we come to Habakkuk chapter 3. If you remember last week, God declared that he's going to uh, judge Babylon and that he said the earth is going to be filled with, with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the heavens cover the sea. And then he ends chapter 2 by saying the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. 
See, the knowledge of the glory of God is going to fill the earth. That means there's going to be this understanding, this awareness that the earth, uh, the whole earth and all its inhabitants is going to, they're going to be overwhelmed with the glory of God. And the response, the response is this silence, this, this hush is going to fall over the whole earth. It's, it's reverence. It's, it's awe. And then here Habakkuk chapter 3 is going to respond to this vision, this oracle, this revelation of God. And I want you to know, so we're going to look at it here, and what you're looking at is you're looking at a prayer of praise. What we're going to see is we're going to see Habakkuk worshiping. He's going to be transformed from this man who was worrying to a man who is worshiping. And the question becomes, how does the transformation happen? How does he go from the valley of distress to the pinnacle that we'll see here of praise? Well, his, his, his world is going to shift. His thinking's going to shift. He's going to move from needing to know why to understanding who. In fact, he's going to be overwhelmed by the who. Habakkuk was saying, Lord, give me a reason. God doesn't give him any reason at all. What he does is he gives him a revelation, and not a revelation of why, but a revelation of himself. And it's and it comes to Habakkuk in the form of God's glory. Look at what it says. Habakkuk chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, according to uh, Shigioneth. And um, we all know what Shigioneth means, so I don't need to get into that. Actually, that's a, that's a joke, um, but there's no one here to laugh. Uh, it's a Hebrew word, and it's a word that you find, on, the only other place you find this word is you find it in the Psalms. And, and what it is, it's a musical word. The, the prayer of Habakkuk according to the music, maybe you could say it that way. It, what it tells us is it tells us that this is a song. In fact, the end of chapter 3, he says, hey, this is for the, this is for the choir director. It's for the, it's for the string instruments. What, what Habakkuk is doing is this prayer becomes a song. The, the Word of God through the song of Habakkuk here in chapter 3, it is aiming at our hearts this morning. It's wanting to reach down into the depths of our soul. God's Word is saying, you, you, you want to know? You, you want to know how to sing praises in the midst of the darkest days when when things don't make sense and when heaven seems silent and when it seems that God can't be found, well, well, listen up, he says. Tune your heart. This is one of the most beautiful songs that you would ever learn to sing. The Bible's inviting us here to sing along with Habakkuk. Look at verse 2. Oh, Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. Oh, Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In, in wrath, remember mercy. What, what he's saying is, is, God, I've heard of your amazing works. And he, he's speaking about God's power here. And he says, I, I want you to revive it. I want you to make it known. I want, you to, I want you to do it again. Make your power known again, God. He wants to see it in his lifetime where he says, in the midst of the years, he means in our day and in our time. And then he prays, he, he sings, for mercy in the midst of wrath. 
Now look at what he does in verse 3. In verse 3, he begins and he says, God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. You see, verse 3 helps us understand that the song of praise Habakkuk is singing is this song about being in the presence of God. See, his, his singing, he, he's singing about a, a time in history of, of God's people when, when God made his power and his mercy known to them. Well, what Habakkuk's doing is he, he's using the words of Moses in Deuteronomy. It's where Moses describes when, when God made himself known, his power and his mercy, and God made himself intimately known to the people at Mount Sinai. He says, God, I remember that day, or, or at least I've read about it. You, you delivered your people from slavery and bondage and sin and death. You, you delivered them from the mighty Pharaoh of Egypt. You brought them into this place of, of glorious freedom. I re, remember that. You, you notice after the first line there in verse 3, there's the little word there, and it's probably italicized in your Bible, and it says, Selah. Well, it's a breathing marker. The, the only other place that that word occurs in the Old Testament is in the Psalms. Habakkuk here is, is, is like he's catching his breath. The, the fear and the, and the awe and the wonder and the holy terror, he, he finds himself caught up in the presence of God. And, and so, he, he's, he sings what he knows, and it's like in, in this moment, the words of Moses, the, the words that he's known all of his life, it becomes this new song in his mouth. The, the, the sheer and utter reality of God's presence, what he's read about, what it is that he'd, he'd memorized, all of a sudden, he's there, the presence of God. This brother needs a minute to catch his breath. You, you, you take a breath, you, you pause, you reflect, you, you linger. See, the music's still playing, but, but it's like Habakkuk. He doesn't want to forget what it is that he's singing. Don't just repeat the words. Let them, let them sink in. In fact, three times... In verse 3, in verse 9, in verse 13, you'll see him take this breath, this, this breath of awe and wonder. Well, he goes on. In verse 3, he speaks of God's splendor. In verse 4, he's going to talk about his brightness. And in verse 5, he's going to speak of his awesome and terrible power. And in verses 6 and 7, his sovereignty over the earth and over all the nations. And, and in, in verses 8 through 12, he talks about his terror of, of, his, of, of his justice and righteousness. And then he's going to end 13 through 15 about the salvation of his people. What he's saying in these verses is that, God, I know when, that when you come, everything cowers and, and it bends in your presence. Creation bends and, and it yields to you. And nations bend and they yield to you. And, and kings, they bend and yield to you. And armies, they, they yield to you. And, and, and I think so much of, of this comes from, see, when we think of ourselves, 
we end up thinking so little of God until God shows up. And, and we find ourselves caught up in the very presence of God. And like Isaiah will say, you know, we, we, we're undone because we've seen God. It's, and in doing so, what happens is there, there comes with us this great fear, this fear of the Lord and, and respect and, and deep and, and profound reverence. And it comes into our lives as we draw near to God. So see, Habakkuk, I'll argue, he lives in a day um, very much like our own day, where, where God's name is profaned and God's word is neglected and, and ignored, and, and people, they, they mock his grace, and they mock those who claim his name. See, Habakkuk, he's saying to God, I, I'd like to see you show up in a, in a glorious way so that people will know well, what kind of God you are, and that they would bend their knee, and, and they would bow their head, and they would respect you for who you are and, and what you've done. In Habakkuk, he's, he's singing. It's a song of praise. He's using the language of the Bible, and he's describing the deliverance of God's people from Egypt. And at the same time, with, with ancient words, Habakkuk is singing a new song, a song of praise and a song of worship, a song of hope, of God's mercy and of His grace. So look at these next verses. I want you to see how Habakkuk is totally and completely overwhelmed with who God is. In verse 16, he picks up and he says this, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Do you know what this means? Well, I'll tell you what it means. Habakkuk, he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm scared to death. I'm, I'm, I'm scared stiff. But when I think about what's going to happen, it, it makes my stomach churn. When I think about what's going to happen, my, my lips, they, they tremble. My bones turn to water, to, to rottenness. I mean, the, the Christian who comes to God in praise, we don't come like Pollyanna. I mean, we, we come, we, to be a Christian means that you, you're a realist, that you see things as they are. It's not a sentimental optimist. It's not a morose pessimist. You see things as they are. And what's happening is, is that Habakkuk is witnessing two things. He's, he's seeing God in, in all of his glory and, and, and seeing him rightly. And then over here, he sees the world and, and all the misery. And he comes to this crucial place of peace in his life. So three things I'd say about this. One is that, that the praise, the, the worship, the, the, the ability to, to rest in peace in the presence of God, that is grounded in revelation. It comes from knowing what God has spoken. It 
comes from knowing what God has said. It comes from His Word. It's grounded in His Word. It, it also is, is um, uh, grounded in reality. It looks around and is able to see things for how they are. And thirdly, this praise, this worship, this coming to peace in the presence of God, it results it results in us being able to rejoice. Look at what he says in verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. See, Habakkuk is saying, if all my food and all my crops and, and my job and my affluence and all my success and all my security, if, if everything goes away. I will sing to God. The question is why? And the answer is because I'm closer to Him, because I must trust Him. You see, this is faith. He's saying, look, if the standard of my, um, if the standard of, of, of living in my life changes, if everything falls apart and everything's stripped away, the joy of my life is not going to change. What he's saying is I, I serve a, a, a sovereign God, and, and because things aren't going the way I want them to, the way I anticipated them to go, it doesn't mean that God's fallen off of his throne or, or that he's um, taken his goodness away from me or that he's taken his goodness away from creation. This is Habakkuk saying, God, I trust you, and his faith leads him to singing and trusting the hand of God, even when it's unseen. It's what enables us to rejoice in all circumstances, knowing that God, God's will is being done. God's plan is being fulfilled. And, and for Habakkuk, this causes strength Listen, if all of the strength we have in our life is, is derived from, from, from the things that we do, from our successes or our health or our relationships or, or our affluence or our prestige or our education or any other idol that, that we find ourselves pursuing, that we find ourselves drawing strength from, at some point we will grow weary at some point, we will lose heart. Those things that we pursue, those things that we draw strength from, were never meant to be the source of our life. We will lose strength. But what Habakkuk discovers is that those that draw near to God, regardless of the circumstances, and they drink from his well, what they find is they find themselves ever 
refreshed. And that's the way it is. See, the sovereign God, he says, makes me strong, makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go to the heights. God makes my feet like that, he says. Trial and suffering and, and, and strife and circumstances are hard. They're, they're dark nights. They're, they're, um, they're dark nights of the soul. And evil and sickness and injustice and grief and mourning, those seem to all come with the darkest nights. And it piles up like a, like a mountain that seems overwhelming and daunting. Habakkuk says, but God makes my feet like the deer. And I, and I climb. I climb to the heights and I stand above it and I see what God sees and I love what God loves and I hate what God hates. And God enables me, empowers me to rise above this so that I can behold Him. You see, that's what faith does. When we trust God, see, faith, it, it sees, it, it relies upon, it, it, it pl we, we place ourselves by faith in the, in the strong hand of God, in the promises of God. We end up seeing then the provision of God, not the circumstances in our life. And, and, then, we, and then we are able to, to climb up above the circumstances with the feet of a deer. And Habakkuk can come and because of that he can worship God. He trusts Him. And he anticipates Him showing up in his life today. See, Habakkuk doesn't get his joy from circumstances. He, he had a revelation of God's greatness. He had a, a realistic outlook on the mess that the world was in. And then he's able to say, my joy, my joy is in the Lord. See, Habakkuk moves from asking why to now discovering who, who God is. You know, in the New Testament, we encounter what I would call another Habakkuk. He's one of Jesus' disciples. His name is Peter. Peter's bold. He's walk on water bold. He's cut off the ear of a Roman soldier bold. That's Peter. And one of the things you can observe about Peter's life um, is that he's a man of faith. He, he's all in with Jesus. He's left everything to follow Jesus. He, he even boldly declares that he's willing to drink the cup and go to the death with Jesus. And yet at the same time, as you follow Peter through the Gospels, he's a man who comes to the utter brink of distress. See, he worshiped God. He, he confessed. He, he believed that, that Jesus was the Son of God. He, he lived with Jesus for three years. And then at the end of those three years, Jesus begins to tell his disciples that they were going to go to Jerusalem. And then at Jerusalem, Jesus would be arrested. He would be put to death. He would be laid in a grave, dead. 
And then three days later, he would rise from the dead. Well, at those words, at that pronouncement, Peter was undone. See, what God was doing and what God was going to do, the, the, the will of God that Jesus came to accomplish through his death, it utterly confused Peter. See, at one point, Peter, when Jesus begins to tell him what's going to happen, Peter comes and he rebukes Jesus for saying such a thing. I mean, can you imagine Peter rebuking Jesus? He comes and says, well, wait a minute, you're going to do what? That's crazy. You can't do that. That's not how this is supposed to go. Maybe you've found yourself having those kinds of conversations with God. When Jesus is arrested, Peter will deny him three times. When Jesus is crucified, you find that Peter is hiding for fear of his life. When Jesus is buried, he, he can't even bear to attend the grave. Until the morning of Jesus' resurrection. When Mary returns with the news to, to the disciples that, he is, that he's risen, and, and Peter, he jumps up and he, and he runs to the tomb. He runs into the tomb, and he finds the grave clothes. And then the text will tell us that he, he returns home. You see, it didn't make sense. And whether it made any sense to Peter or not, Peter had such a hard time understanding what it could mean because he was so overwhelmed with his own failure, with his own sin. See, the Bible records that Peter, he, he goes back to fishing. But maybe he thought because of his failures or because he'd, he'd failed in his faith, his, his inability to, to understand led to a fear that resulted in a lack of faith. I, I think Peter must have thought, well, it was a good run, but when it comes down to it, I failed. So surely Jesus is done with me now. Well, in John chapter 21, John tells the story of when Jesus goes to find Peter again. And you can read the story. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's tender. It's full of grace. And, and Jesus restores Peter. And you discover that even though Peter wasn't faithful, Jesus was faithful. Later in Peter's life, he writes his own song, like Habakkuk. I, I call it a song. Maybe it's not, but it sure could have been. It, it reads like a song, a, a song of praise, a song from a man who had walked through the darkest moments of life. And, and what ultimately got him through the pain was, was not understanding the why, even though Peter would, in his circumstance, would come to understand the why. But what got Peter through, what restored Peter's faith, what, what turned his his agony and his confusion and his despair to joy, it wasn't the why. It was the who. It was, it was Jesus. I want to close with Peter's song this morning, um, his song of praise. It's in the first chapter of his first letter, 1 Peter chapter 1. And he writes this 
towards the end of his life to Christians who have been scattered abroad. And this is what he says, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance that's imperishable and undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter goes from not understanding why Jesus would die and have to be resurrected to now singing about the great gift that it is. He picks up verse 6, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, You've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you've not seen Him, you love Him. That though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I want to pray for us, and then we'll sing again together a very fitting song for the end of this study of Habakkuk. I trust that the Lord's drawing you near to Him. I, I trust that as you are realistic about the circumstances that you're in, whatever they may be, whatever the darkness is that, that threatens to come and overwhelm you, I pray that what God's doing through His Word is drawing you above that so you can see Him clearly, that your anxiety could turn to song, that your grief could turn to praise, that your worry would become joy in the presence of the Lord. If you would, would you bow with me and let's pray. God, we confess right now that if we told all the stories of your provision in our life even if you never did another thing, we'd have enough to sing about forever. Father, we thank you for, for song, for the, for the gift that it is, and, and that you're the creator, and you made us to be creative, and we thank you for the song that is, that is language of, of love and intimacy and connection and community. Father, we thank you that as we sing in, in that moment, our, our voices become one with a choir, a choir that is intended to, to honor your glory, Father, to bring us joy. God, we thank you. We so thank you for providing us the means that we have this morning to meet together in the way that we've met the last several weeks. Father, we've been 
socially distanced from one another, but we thank you we haven't been spiritually isolated from you, nor have we been spiritually distanced from one another. By your Spirit, you draw us together. God, we, we see this explosion of your goodness all around us. You're the living God. You're the sovereign God. You're, you're our strength. You, you give us the feet of deer. So, Father, we, we come to you now. We, we say to you, we love you. We come to you now because you are a good God. We come to you the only way we can. We come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of your Spirit. Amen. Thanks for being with us this morning. Look forward to seeing you next week on Mother's Day, and we'll begin a new series in the book of Esther, a little Old Testament book tucked away that's filled with beauty and wonder, and I can't wait for us to explore it together. We'll see you next week. Hey, Bethel, I want to um, invite you to a, a fun opportunity that we're going to try today at 11 o'clock. So, just a few moments, uh, we are going to be hosting a live Zoom call. Uh, Todd Wright and myself are going to be on a Zoom call. There's a link here in the comments below, and we'd love for you to join us. We're going to take this Zoom call. We're also going to broadcast it to Facebook Live. It'll be an opportunity. If you've got questions, you want to know about Habakkuk, you want to talk about the church, you want to hang out and find out Todd's favorite ice cream, whatever it is, we, we're going to be in the Zoom call from 11 to 11.30. We invite you to join us. We'll broadcast it here on Facebook Live so you can interact with us here on Facebook or jump into the call. We'd love for you to be in there. The link will be down we're going to be starting at 11 o'clock here in just a few minutes, and we look forward to seeing you.